Welcome to Raise and Deploy, a podcast dedicated to international investments with insights from the world's leading investment professionals from New York to Timbuktu. Each episode, we bring on a new guest to discuss the trials and tribulations that occur when seeking substantial returns in foreign markets. We cover the full life cycle of an investment, from the moment you contemplate raising capital offshore to the final check cashed on the returns. Today, I sit down with Johnny Biarski, principal at Athenian Capital, an early stage venture capital fund focused on B2B SaaS in the fintech and AI arenas. He is also the founder of Literally Helping Startups, which is a community that helps startups for free. Furthermore, he's actually helped our startup, The Arglo, and he's been a mentor and advisor for us for a number of years. We talk about what he's seen in the startup space, the companies and the tools he is using, and the future of AI. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Raise and Deploy, uh, the podcast that talks about raising capital overseas and deploying it internationally. Uh, very excited to have a good friend, mentor, and advisor uh, to Diaglo uh, on the podcast, Johnny Biarski. Uh, Johnny has worked in uh, a number of different positions across the entire landscape of uh, VC investment. Uh, we're very lucky to have him on. Uh, welcome to the show, Johnny Biarski. Thanks so much, Ash. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, big fan of you and Diaglo and have been for a while. Excited to dive into some of the things that um, I think are changing in the investing landscape and, and also dabble into AI as well. Excited to yeah. be here. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good show. Uh, obviously, we talked a little bit about um, your uh, background in the intro, but let's uh, go into it in a little bit more detail. Tell me a little bit about you know what brings you to here. For sure. So I started working at an accelerator um, a number of years ago and you know ended up running parts of that. I also was a founder myself, and so I've just been in the startup world, um, you know, for for nearly a decade now, um, and really just seen it change drastically, which has been fascinating. Um, I in the in the last four to five years alone, I've worked with thousands of founders, uh, and it, it's been a really interesting journey. And after I left the accelerator, and after I failed at my first startup, I started an organization called Literally Helping Startups, where we help founders for free, uh, and still do to this day. And then more recently, I've joined a, a VC fund um, called Athenian Venture Capital. So pretty, pretty kind of all over the place in terms of the startup landscape, both as a founder, as an advisor, and now as an investor at a, a VC fund. So, so really, really seen a lot, been in lots of different positions, and have sympathy for everyone involved. Yeah, no, and obviously we tapped into that uh, knowledge at different stages um, in the four years that I, I started and have been running Diaglo. Uh, and it's great having these conversations about these types of problems that you know not only you face, but other startups are facing. It's, it's an extremely useful and valuable experience and skill set that you've uh, generated. And it's very valuable to our company. So thank you for all the work and help that you've given us. Uh, but let's talk about uh, the VC that you're at, Athenian Capital. Um, tell us a little bit about their uh, theory, their investment thesis. Sure thing. So Athenian Venture Capital is an early stage VC fund focused on B2B SaaS companies and with a specific focus on fintech and AI. And we're trying to really change the way that VC is, is really being done. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of funds out there that I think sometimes... Um, you know, claim that they're going to help a lot and then don't always follow through. Uh, and I think, too, that the due diligence methods that we're going to be using are, are we're going to try to implement some AI in there as well so that we can not only, you know, invest in the tools, but also use those tools along the way. 
So it's a pretty exciting fund. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. And the, the founding partners, Yuri Cataldo and Jason Mackey, have a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And uh, we're, we're excited to start, uh, start cutting checks in, in you know, the coming, coming months and quarters uh, into early stage startups. Really interesting, um, you know, fascinating stuff. A couple of things there. Uh, obviously, we're going to open up a can of worms here. But AI. It's a buzzword that everyone's doing, everyone's using. I get often uh, called up upon it. Um, I think you know my opinions on, on AI. We're going to probably go into some of my views on, on this later on. But tell me about when AI wasn't just a buzzword for you. How long have you been working with the stuff? Sure thing. Um, so nearly a decade ago, uh, a close friend of mine from high school reached out to me and had an idea for a neural network-based company that was going to use deep neural networks uh, to actually figure out the characters on a license plate from a photo, um, really before this technology existed. And I didn't really know that much about it, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a lover of knowledge and I had an engineering background. And so I went and you know read a bunch of Wikipedia pages, read some research and found out that it can do some really impressive things. And that if you have really robust data, um, you know, machine learning and AI can can really be a powerful tool. And that was nearly a decade ago. And, you know, it's something that I've always kept up to date, but I would say the two moments um, I was asking ChatGPT something and it was actually related to law school because later in my career, I went to law school and I, I asked it to tell me the elements of perfecting a security interest, which for those of you that are unfamiliar, it's just the process of using collateral as a way to get a loan. Uh, and I sent it over to a professor and the professor who's one of the hardest professors, super nice and super smart said that that would pass in her class. I was like, okay, well now we're on to something. And then secondly, um, it was gamma.ai, which is a tool that is an AI tool that you can write in a, a two sentence description for a web page or a presentation. And it will actually go out and create an entire deck or presentation based on a two sentence description with relevant images which I was absolutely blown away with that, you know, we're not just talking about giving you a text response or even creating an image, but this was a tool that was, you know, fully creating um, entire web pages uh, instantaneously based on a really weak description that I just hobbled together. And so I think that that's something that really was the awakening moment for me of saying like every, every person that's out there sort of saying, ah, don't worry about it. It's not going to take your job. I was like, can you do this much research that fast and, and get out copy? And, you know, I, I, I also, now I want to send it back to you because I know that you're kind of at the forefront of these. What were your sort of moments that were in a similar vein to that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, that's a great uh, example. That the, the speed in which these widgets and these um, these these programs are coming out is is so, uh, so impressive now. And a couple of things that kind of did it for me, one of my uh, friends uh, and now colleagues sent me over um, the website for Adept, and for me, I've, we've always been using AI within the company, right? We've been doing data uh, science, machine learning, uh, and, and algos when it comes to how we present uh, FX hedging to our clients. Um, what really changed for me, though, is that you know building these technologies, these deliverables, and developing them takes a long time, and you're building dashboards and widgets. For me, a company called Adept came in and completely changed the way that I viewed on how people were going to interact with their computers and these types of programs. Uh, for me, what they say, stated was that through a prompt box, you would be able to 
ultimately pull down or the computer will pull down for you uh, data within spreadsheets, within Word documents, attach them to emails and then have them sent out uh, to a, a list of carefully curated um, uh, recipients. And for me, that was completely game changing. It was so eye opening. It was literally my epiphany moment and how people will be utilizing and interacting with their technology going forward. And for me, it also gave me an opportunity to be able to ultimately solve the problem that I set out to solve, which is a vast problem that no one really thought that we would be able to do it. You know, going out there and saying that you can solve global investment when you know there's so many different pieces that go with that, being able to pull down from different marketplaces, credit experts, structuring experts, etc., having all of that information in a really articulated way via a chatbot or an LLM, whatever you want to call it, uh, was for me just I was I was so hungry for it. I couldn't get enough of it. And that's when I went down that rabbit hole of like everyone else has probably done at some stages, like going into Claw, going into ChatGPT and just kind of testing what it could actually do. And then actually seeing um, how uh, powerful uh, and how how you can move people with with those uh, with those results. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible, uh, pretty yeah. incredible stuff. No, it really is. And I think that one of the sort of interesting pieces is the interesting questions and, and components to this whole adoption question is really around trust. And so I think that, you know, historically when we've used AI tools, you type something in, you ask the question, it gave you gibberish back. You were like, well, that's stupid. I'm not using that. And then you start using ChatGPT and all of a sudden and Claude and Bard and all these other tools and maybe Adept as well. And you start realizing like, wow, this is actually really accurate. Um, and maybe it says one or two things wrong. So we're not quite at the point where we're willing to hit like enter to the prompt and then publish that to LinkedIn or to Twitter or X or to wherever, right? We still are, you know, it's human assisted AI where you, you still need to proofread. And so I think that one interesting question in this conversation about what's happening next is when does that trust sort of cross trust barrier get crossed? And then all of a sudden people are just like, you know, hitting go post on LinkedIn for me and that's it, or go send an email to this person asking for, you know, a meeting. Um, you know, when, when will that happen? I think is, is another interesting question in this adoption. It's a really important part. And I think um, one of the ways that a lot of people have been kind of calling this is it's a co-pilot, not an autopilot. Right. And I think what's going to be really interesting is making sure that uh, we are policing the people within our companies and um, you know the uh, you know we know that the SEC and uh, Biden came on and, and they're talking about how they're going to ultimately protect um, people against um, malpractice and um, uh, issues around you know how we're holding data and, and get the, you know who's writing what right uh, but I think that kind of co-pilot autopilot um, methodology is a really good way of kind of explaining how we should be utilizing technology like this uh, going forward within our businesses. It's designed to assist us. Uh, and certain people are going to be incredibly good at getting the right responses out of this. I really think, you know, myself, um, I'm a dyslexic thinker. I, I think to the end, I'm great at prompting and finding out, um, uh, you know, the, the, the limitations, uh, but also what this technology is um, able to, uh, and 
I think I'm actually an unfair advantage of being able to get the best out of this technology, if I'm being completely honest. I think certain people are going to really struggle with it. And I think those are the people that are necessarily thinking about them taking their jobs rather than thinking about it, enhancing their ability to do their jobs. So I think that's going to be really interesting to kind of see like how people really adopt it and those that do adopt it in the right way. I think that analogy of autopilot, co-pilot is good. And I think that, you know, one of the quotes I heard early on, which is a little cliche, but I think accurate, is you're not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by somebody else using AI. And I think that I've noticed that in terms of trying to automate my workflows and use any sort of you know, productivity enhancing tools, uh, I'm really looking to make it so that I can maximize the hours of the day that I'm efficient. And I think that that's what a lot of these tools early on are going to do. Uh, and I think that it's also going to transform the way that people learn is another big one. So I know a lot of people stopped going to Google and they're using ChatGPT or a similar, you know, general artificial intelligence tool to say like, hey, can I, you know, tell me about the history of XYZ or what does this mean? And I have found that in terms of um, e even in terms of like looking up things in the you know international investing space or the foreign exchange space, I found, um, you know, ChatGPT to be really, really powerful in terms of, of knowledge and, and calling on that large corpus of text. Um, you know, th there's a lot there for sure. That's a really good point. I think um, having a purpose for this technology is absolutely key. Uh, let's go down that kind of rabbit hole a little further. Uh, what do you think the future of AI will be regarding how and where people will use this technology? Yeah, so I think that I have two large, sort of two big philosophies around the future of AI, which is the tools that are gonna win out are actually gonna be cross-platform. So I don't think that people are gonna wanna keep logging into ChatGPT, hitting copy-paste every single time that they wanna like do something with it. And so one of the companies that I've seen recently that I think is, it's more of an automation tool, but also is using AI really well. And, you know, it's not just a chat GBT wrapper. It's more than that. It's uh, called Fly Messages. Uh, it's put out by Vengresso, which is a company that, that builds, builds all kinds of tools. But what I love about Fly Messages is that I can go from my email to LinkedIn to any, you know, messaging app and, and use it. And it's always there. So I'm not having to go to ChatGPT or Claude or Bard every single time that I want to, you know, use AI. And I think that it's pulling from all of those sources. So I think that the sort of like enveloping nature of AI tools is going to be really, really key. And then secondly is I don't want to bet on horse races. So this is sort of an investment philosophy, which is, you know, if there are 35 companies that are all trying to do exactly what ChatGPT is doing, I don't want as like an early, early stage investor to bet on that space necessarily, uh, unless there's a reason to. But in general, I think that it's it's scary because you don't know who's going to win. You don't know which one is going to go more viral one day versus the next. You're seeing ChatGPT users like getting frustrated with it. You're seeing people flock to other ones like Claude and Bard. And so you start to see, and, and even on Snapchat, I saw people using that AI. So I think that, you know, when it comes to the investment side of things, you have to look at the tools that are going to be here in two to three years. And I think those are the ones that people are going to get really comfortable using cross-platform. Platform. Really, really interesting. Really, really interesting stuff. A, a couple of those things really resonated with me. You know, for me, um, you know, we've made um, our name in creating ultimately a marketplace for our clients to 
get the best rates, get the best hedging, uh, obviously wrapped in our technology layer. I love the idea of having a global investment therapist that sits on your desktop that anytime you have a requirement, whether it be a structuring issue or a tax issue or an FX issue, you can come to one place and then start answering those questions, right? It might be that you don't actually press play and you don't actually book something, but the idea is that you can share your problem with it and it gets you closer to solving that problem yourself rather than having to spend expensive money on lawyers or tax attorneys when it's un unnecessary. You may not even think this investment opportunity is investable anymore after speaking to these chatbots. Uh, the other part that you mentioned, which is also interesting, is that the the process that you take when you go through um, selecting an AI uh, program to work with, uh, at the moment you're given everything, right? And there is a, like you said, is a, ultimately it's a race to the bottom. A lot of people are worried about the high costs of getting into these companies right now. I mean, I think, uh, ChatGPT is valued at 80 billion, right? Um, but the cost of compute is going to go down, in my opinion, as things become uh, ultimately uh, cheaper to run these types of companies. So therefore, surely ChatGPT 2.0 or an um, you know is going to challenge the incumbent, and ultimately ChatGPT's value is going to diminish. Ultimately, I think the actual future of the technology is going to be a lot cheaper. And as you said, maybe the, 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 the people that come later to the game are going to be the ones that ultimately win out. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. And I think that one of the things that you've really sort of changed my mind on a little bit, and you know that in combination with a couple of other things I've read, is the rate at which AI is influencing how we build things and how companies are run. And so, you know, you were talking about how, like, maybe the future of, of Diagola's platform and what, you know, FX analysis looks like isn't so much that, you know, we're in there writing individual lines of code, but instead somebody's operating from show me my exposure on a map. I want to see that. That's how I want to visualize it. And then it's going in, writing the code for you. And, you know, is this six months out, a year out or two years out? Who's to say? But I do think that the rate at which things are changing, people are missing. And one of the sort of interesting anecdotes um, that, that was introduced to me uh, actually by uh, Marcus was he was talking about how, um, and for those that are listening, Marcus is the seat, uh, is a, a, an advisor and one of the you know original founders uh, of Diaglo. Um, and Marcus is, is technically a, a genius and he was talking, he sent an article and in the article, AI researchers in 2020 were talking about how far out will it be before you know, uh, an artificial intelligence algorithm could give you a report on, let's say, like, you know, the 13th century. And you just say, hey, give me a summary of, you know, everything that happened. And people were like, they were estimating in 2020 that that was 10 years out. And then when ChatGPT came around, they were all like, oh, my God, we were so wrong. And so in my mind, the people that are getting PhDs and studying this were bad at predicting how far out certain tech technology was going to be, that signals to me that it's accelerating even faster than the experts think. So, you know, you're, Ash, you've always sat there as though like, oh, well, AI is going to completely change the way that this company is probably run in a year. And my first reaction is like, all right, I think that we're going a little bit overboard. Don't go crazy with it. But then I read things like that. And then I start to see what these tools can do. And I'm like, maybe you're actually not even estimating it fast enough. Maybe it'll even be sooner than that. So I think that you know, 
I think that's sort of a good segue. And how do you as a founder plan for this sort of changing tide? Um, and, and how do you build a company around the fact that things are going to change so quickly? Yeah, it's a, a great, uh, great point. So when I realized that this was going to be completely different was probably April of this year. And we had an offsite and it was the focus of the offsite. And ultimately it changed the way that we were going to deliver our tools to our clients. I think that was like the, the key thing that we took out of that. And it, it took us a couple of months to be able to kind of see how we were going to do that. I think one of the things that you mentioned there, which is really important is we don't know what it's going to look like. People are talking about chat UX now for the first time, you know, we've got prompts and we can get a, a text answer, but it can't display images the way that you want it to from a business standpoint, right? You can't create charts. You can't you can kind of create tables. You're exporting it into a PDF. Yes, but you know, can't share it, etc. I think one of the first companies I saw actually doing it properly uh, was HubSpot with uh, ChatSpot. For me, that was great to see that. Um, you know, I saw it around early September time, and for me, it was like, ah, okay, someone else gets it. Like, this is how we can do that. And with that, I can then say to to my team of developers and my product team to say, okay, well, this is what we're looking at right now. We have something to look at. Look at as something. Where do I think it's going to go? I don't actually necessarily care at this stage. I think we've got a process in which way we're going to be utilizing it. Uh, as I said, we've been utilizing it from day one in the company with our kind of data science um, and our, our resident rocket scientist, Paul Stafford, and his team have been analyzing effects um, in new ways. But extracting information is going to change. Um, it will be more conversational, just like it would be over the phone, but you can have that with a bot now. I think it will be in, um, in tandem with a, um, with a client success manager. But once you've got that information uh, and extracted that information, we'll utilize that and run the information. The interesting thing, though, is we don't need to create a kind of like a cookie cutter off the shelf uh, display for the clients. I truly do believe that we can create actionable dynamic insights as they need them. As you were mentioning earlier, how you display um, a, a hot pocket for investment via FDI and, and a world graphically displayed map, not just a table of results, right? Yeah. Uh, people like me love something visual, right? And you know that's how people are going to be. So being able to create a dynamic deliverable that is specific to that user, I think is just mind-blowing. Um, and then summarizing it and taking that raw data and manipulating it in different ways and making it useful. One of the things that I've always said is like, what's the point? of all yeah. of this right at the end of the day what the point is for us we want to get more global investment done all right there are certain key numbers that need to be constantly uh, brought up um and i think for me as long as that story and that narrative continues to push forward i think we will continue to stay um up with the the changing tide um and how this is going to be ultimately presented to the user um even though it hasn't been fully defined yet yeah, and I, I think it's good, good and important to focus on the things that that are sort of evergreen. So, like funds that invest overseas are still going to need to put together an LP report. Like, I don't think it's ever going to get to the point where they're like, "Hey, LPs, go into our AI and ask it questions." They're still going to want every quarter a report of how the fund is performing. They're going to want to be able to read a 30-page document. But I think that the way that that 30-page document gets created is where things shift. And so I, I think that, oh, I want to know about my, you know, FX exposure for this, you know, PE fund that's focused on Latin America. 
Okay, great. Well, I know that I can go to Diaglo.com and maybe it's just like a blank canvas and I say, hey, I'm in the middle of putting together an LP report. Would you mind pulling up um, on a map all of our FX exposure? And then based on that kind of AI, it can go in there. But people are still going to be attached to the brand. They're still going to want to have to pick uh, you know, an AI tool or an FX tool. And so I think that there's still going to be kind of a lot of the classic like, what can you do? How can I learn about things? Part of the sales process. Uh, and I think too that AI is making it so that it's so much more about community and brand than it is about technical build out, which I think yeah. is somewhere we've been trending um, over the last like decade, which is which is really interesting. I love that. There's a couple of things in there. I think the you know the back end all of a sudden is the back end. That thirty page report. Could be also the back end. How you query and get the information and the insights that you want out of that 30 page report is no longer just going to be a click, find, search, right, or a table of contents. You're going to have literally actionable data that you can query and say, I don't understand this paragraph. Can you explain it to me in, in more layman's terms, right? Um, can you translate this entire document into Portuguese for me? Like these are the things that people are, I think, are starting to realize that are going to be just the new norm uh, one of the things that we always say is not what's the gold standard what's going to be the new standard and i think that for me is where this technology has really got legs right we can make it easier for everyone to understand very very complex um algorithms and uh data science techniques that you know not everyone has a is fortunate to have a rocket scientist to translate for them right so i think that for me is the key thing to this is how it simplifies the outcomes and levels of playing field across everyone so if you've got a manager that is um uh you know super sophisticated and a you know a manager that is just really good at picking companies like at the end of the day they have the same baseline um abilities to be able to to run a fund and report on the efficacy of that fund yeah, no, I think that that's a really good point. And that I think, too, that that even the dynamics of, you know, sort of VC investing is is going to change some for sure. But I think that people will still always do business from other people. Um, they're still going to be making decisions on what tools to use, sort of what banks to use, which service providers to use based on human interactions. Uh, and the question then is just going to be, you know, how are how are the AI tools helping with everything else outside of that? Um, and yeah, I think that, that those are a lot of really, really good points. Uh, and from the investment standpoint, just real quick, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is, you know, start by asking the question of where do we think, and I, this also applies to founders out there, but start by asking the question of where do you think technology will be in three to five years? You know, are people going to have computers? How are they going to use those computers? Um, are they going to be using LinkedIn, right? Like, are they going to be using email even, right? And it's, it's sometimes hard to really be visionary, but I think it's important both as a founder who's running a company, but especially as an investor of starting with where we think things will be and then sort of working your way back to, okay, well, which companies are going to play a key part in that if I'm investing and how can I set up my startup or my company so that as those tools become available, integrating them isn't, you know, uh, an ordeal. It's not something that takes, uh, you know, a culture shift. Instead, it's people looking out for them, ready to implement them, ready to try them. And I think that that all comes back to, you know, on the, on the company side, it comes back to culture is, are people okay with it? Are they looking forward to that? Are they understanding its limitations right now? 
um, but also understanding how it's advancing. And, and I do think that you can kind of change culture by just educating people, talking with them, you know, showing them new things. And, and I think that ChatGPT has really woken up a lot of people to the idea of it. And I think people are not as afraid or sort of dismissive of it as, as they have been in years past. Really, really interesting stuff. Uh, so I think AI is going to be used in three key ways. And it's already being used in three key ways. One, uh, personal tasks. Two, personal business tasks. And three, entire businesses are going to be uh, ultimately building off of this. Yeah, I think that's well put. And I know that you mentioned before and with the big news of you can create your own, you know, LLM based on ChatGPT. I think that people are going to train them in their businesses, in their personal lives to sort of respond and get to know them and have themselves be the data model. But at the end of the day, you know, AI is not going to replace you enjoying a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine. It's not going to replace enjoying a meal with a friend or going to a concert. Uh, it might help with some of those processes. It might help us make the audio sound better. It might help us select somewhere to go to dinner or, you know, what you should be doing on a Friday night. But I think that, you know, the way that humans live and work uh, isn't going to be completely sort of disrupted insofar as it's going to look entirely different and people are going to do different things. But I do think that the way in which we go about specifically working, uh, AI is going to be really embedded into the, the flow and the process there. Completely agree. Some really, really good points there. Uh, certainly around drinking whiskey. I love a, love a whiskey. And uh, I think that's a great place to end it. Uh, thanks for sitting down with us, Johnny. As always, I love these conversations. Uh, really excited for you and Athenian. Uh, can't wait to see uh, what that brings. Um, just quickly, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Uh, if you do, read my bio. It lays out exactly what you should put in a DM. Uh, or if you want to email me at johnny at literallyhelpingstartups.com. Uh, and thanks so much for having me, Ash. This has been great. Likewise. Speak soon. Well, there you have it. Another great conversation on a fascinating subject. AI is clearly transforming companies and the lives of the people that work there. It was a true pleasure talking with Johnny about the deep tech and the changing tides within the AI world and how he is applying these learnings to the startup world. Thanks for tuning in to Raise and Deploy, the international investing podcast brought to you by Diaglo, the go-to FX platform for global investors. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and are looking forward to the next one. If you or anyone else you know has experience in investing internationally and would like to be our next guest, please reach out to us at jb at diaglo.com.